Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be considered as a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Hello, everyone. It's your host, Adam Childers, here with the podcast Briefly Legal. Brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. I am here in the Crow's Nest in Oklahoma City on another frigid December day, but I can still feel the the magic of the season, uh, the holiday season around me. Uh, and also, I'm, I'm I'm giddy, you know, because this is uh, our last episode of of the year for the podcast. It's episode 46 since we started this last year, so we're rounding out two years worth of uh, briefly legal, and we're already making plans for year three, and we're so excited to have gotten this far along in the process, and we really enjoy having all of you along um, for that ride. But uh, we're not going to finish this year out without having uh, one more podcast, and and, and we're going to be uh, bringing back uh, a prior guest, uh, someone that uh, did a great job the first time around, and I, I coaxed her into coming on board for another, and that's, uh, when I say coaxed her, she's, she shares an, an office wall with me, so I, I yell at her through the wall and say, when are you going to get on the podcast Again, I guess I did it enough times because here she is, everyone. JC Booth, say hi, JC. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here for the second time. Very good. Well, I'm excited to have you here. And we're going to be talking about something that's really interesting. I know that you, um, uh, I think you wrote a client advisory and perhaps a journal record column about this, uh, quiet quitting. Yes, that is correct. Okay. So quiet quitting. We're uh, already, it, it's got kind of an ominous sound to it. And it sounds you know, like something we need to know more about. And that's certainly um, what we're going to do. But I'll let uh, JC talk a little bit more about this phenomenon that we're seeing in the workplace. But Let's just remind everyone, you know, JC is uh, a third year uh, associate here now at the at the law firm Time Flies, joined us in August of 2020, and she enters into 2023, uh, spreading her wings as uh, continuing to, to grow within the labor and employment group here at the firm. Uh, and in particular, I uh, got to put a plug in, she works with Michael Bowling, who heads up our business immigration practice, and JC has that feather to put in her cap as well. And I should mention that, um, you know, it's amazing to me to watch all these young associates uh, working as hard as they do, but also making time uh, for, for things that really matter within uh, our profession and within our community. Uh, JC works very hard on our diversity efforts here within the firm, including uh, this semester. I know you put in a lot of work with our diversity externs, right, JC? I did. I was a sponsor for one of our diversity externs. So essentially, I was just her mentor throughout the program and helped find her work and sort of helped her get comfortable in the law firm setting. Well, that's excellent. And it, we, we had such a fun final event with them. Uh, you know, for one thing, it was just such a joy to see a couple of our diversity externs who now have received jobs and are, are, are starting with the firm. And then and then just to celebrate the night, I know that we had some different eats from, uh, you know, around the world, including uh, as part of an event that was set up by Apollo Woods. I know that you've gotten to know Apollo. Uh, talk about the food that night. The food was great. I got to try some different food that I've never had before. And 
and Apollo heads up OKC Black Eats. So if you follow him on Instagram or any other social media platforms, you know that he goes around the city and finds diverse food and shares it online so that we can all enjoy in the fun and the yummy food. Well, I'll tell you what, you should definitely follow out there, uh, listeners, because uh, the, he has got the hookup to the best, some of the best foods around. It's really opened up my palate and, and, and uh, captured my imagination. But speaking of capturing imagination, let's jump on into today's podcast uh, topic, and that's quiet quitting. JC, I got to admit that, you know, this sounded like something that was a little bit made up when I first started hearing rumors of it, but it, it's a real thing, I understand. So tell us a little about what it is and, and how did it get started? Yes, so it is a real thing that has kind of taken social media by storm. So it started originally on TikTok. Oh, um, of it's, course, on TikTok. Yes, okay. good old TikTok. That's where it started. It originated out of a video where an individual said that they had heard of this term and sort of explained what it was. And the way he explained it at the time was sort of a means of taking back control of the workplace as an employee and not really going above and beyond for an employer that's not going to do the same for you. So that's sort of how it originated. But today we've seen it's taken on various different interpretations and definitions. Yeah, yeah, I could see I could see where there'd be some tension there. So kind of setting boundaries, um, you know, as to, I guess, how much work you'll actually perform or that's that's asked of you or is it whether or not it's actually assigned to you that you'll do it. Does that make sense? Yes. So basically, you're not going to do anything that's outside of the four corners of your job description. You're not going to stay late. You know, you're not going to come in early. You're kind of just going to check out and disengage as an employee while also meeting your job requirements. So you're not actually quitting. You're doing your job. You're just not striving to go above and beyond. And I think the perfect example for this, if any of you out there are office fans, Of course. Um, I am personally. It's kind of my background show I like to watch. But Stanley is a great representation (laughs) of this. Um, He's not going to do anything unless he's getting paid for it. And he is going home at five o'clock on the dot and he will not stay a second later. You are right. He is the poster child. For, he was quiet quitting before there was quiet quitting. Uh, yeah, he is Mr. Anti-discretionary Effort. God, what a great character, uh, uh, you know, in the background, like you say, uh, of that show. So, okay, well then let's, let's, let's switch gears then. So, cause I, I see this tension uh, and I can see an argument being made on both sides. And on one side is, Hey, it's healthy to try to moderate the amount of effort that you give versus the amount of value you receive from your employer. That's really almost kind of like work-life balance, but but within the, the walls of, of the workplace. But there's, I can see a slippery slope here where it just becomes a, a negative tidal wave. And it sounds more like, well, I'm just not going to do what the employer wants me to do at all. So talk about that tension and, and where do you think some of that negativity sprang from? Yeah, so I think that quiet quitting, you know, when it first started and when you really dial back to what it's supposed to be, it's not the worst thing in the world, right? If you are setting healthy boundaries at work or you're feeling undervalued, that should be addressed. And that's really, you know, how it started. It was really a side effect of what we all went through the past couple of years with the pandemic and the changing landscape and our various, you know, new expectations and taking on new responsibilities at home and really just evaluating what's going on at work and what can I change to make this place better. 
there's certainly nothing wrong with that. And I think we can all appreciate appreciate that as employees and employers. But what's kind of happened is we've misinterpreted, you know, what that is. And we've got employees that are just saying, hey, I'm not doing anything unless you tell me to do it. And that's not healthy, right, for us as a business, business professionals. We can't keep the ball rolling if you've got these people that just aren't team players. Do you think the the pandemic played any role in setting the table for this? Oh, certainly. I think it has. You know, some of us were used to going into the office every single day, and then that came to a complete halt during the pandemic. And, you know, some employees learned, hey, this is a little more flexible for me. I don't want to have to go into the office every day. I don't want to have to spend money on gas and the commute. Or, you know, like I said, they just are suffering from burnout. And we see other industries, you know, that have suffered worse from this than others. For example, the education industry, as well as the medical professionals, you know, they had a a rough go around during the last two years. And so they're not willing to accept workplaces anymore that don't value them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When you don't have a lot of control over your life, sometimes you just try to lash out at the place that, you know, <laughs> is your punching bag that day. And so oftentimes that is the, the workplace. I, I'm, I'm always hesitant here. You know, you want to be careful, don't want to, uh, uh, you know, upset anyone, but th- does age play any role in this? And I say this, we're, we're sitting here, JC, having this conversation, you know, I'm a, I'm just a few days removed from my 49th birthday and I'm a, you know, a, a Gen Xer, uh, which I, I got to say, if you're going to give your generation a name, I always thought we we did pretty well on ours. But uh, as a as an established millennial, um, you and I talk about these kind of topics all the time. I feel like we see things very similarly. But do you think that there's an age component to this at all? I do think there is a generational gap between, you know, our baby boomers or our Gen X or our millennials. I think there's different things that we want out of the workforce. I do think there is a little bit of a myth that our Gen Z is, you know, not willing to work or they don't want to work anymore. I don't think that's the case. Um, But I do think that we've sort of got this rift between one group of employees that said, hey, I went through this. I suffered through this. I stayed late every night. So you should have to do that as well. And then you've got another group of employees that say, well, hey, I'm going to be more efficient when I come in. I don't need to stay late every night and miss the soccer game or different things like that. So I do think that creates a divide uh, between our different generations. Right. And when you and when you see a divide in the workplace, you can either you know, sort of complain about it, or you can try to find ways to to remedy it. And, and, and that's a nice place to switch gears as well, because obviously there's some negative outcomes, JC, that are happening because of this quiet quitting. Um, I, I, some of them I would think are easy to spot. Some are probably, you know, the, you know, outcomes that are ancillary to these other negative outcomes, but the, the, the overall effect is not a good workplace. Tell, tell us of some of the things that are happening because of this quiet quitting. Yeah. I think when you've got individuals that are quiet quitting and especially those that are sort of going about it the wrong way by, you know, not engaging anymore, not being willing to help out the team, that affects your workplace morale. So I know at Crow and especially in our labor employment department, we operate as a team. So if one person is out sick, you know, another steps in to help. And that's just how we work. And that's how we're able to stay afloat. And when you've got people that aren't willing to step in, then that sort of, you know, causes the downfall for the rest of the team. And especially our, you know, 
high performers. If they are constantly having to carry the team on their back, then eventually you're going to end up losing those employees. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because you really have to look at it from both sides, right? We we want to make sure that those who feel like quiet quitting is the way to, to go, that, that that's not great for our bottom line. But you also don't want to lose the high performers that, you know, it, it's like the old saying when we we're in college, you know, that like 20% of the group did, you know, 100% of the, of the work, right? There's always, there's always some people that are going to put in more than others, but you got to find a way to find that balance, particularly when some are outright saying, yeah, I don't want to do anything. I don't have to do. What about, um, you know, the, the National Labor Relations Board, you know, they, even if you're in a non-unionized setting, you know, they, they make it very clear, you cannot prohibit employees from talking about terms and conditions of the workplace. You know, this is in some ways untested waters, but give me your thoughts on, you know, if a, if a employer just said, well, I'll shut this down. I'll, I'll tell everybody, you know, we're a bunch of hard workers and you're not to talk about quiet quitting. Do, do you think that could be a problem? I think as an employer, if you're telling your employees not to talk about, you know, the terms and conditions of their workplace, you're putting yourself at high risk for a lawsuit. So you're better off as an employer to really just address the root of the issue and see why these employees are feeling like they need to take that step to engage in quiet quitting. What can I do as an employer to make this better to sort of get ahead of the game and, and curb those effects rather than just, you know, silencing my employees and, and, and putting myself at risk? Well, I know you're a seasoned, uh, you know, guest on the show because you did such a perfect job of uh, laying into our final point to, to talk about today. And that's, you know, okay, if you're, if you're not going to make this a, a disciplinary measure, let's talk about what we do to, to fix it. What are, what are some takeaways for employers about how to address this problem, you know, moving forward. I think you should just let your employees know where they stand. So by, you know, implementing performance reviews and, and honest performance reviews, I, I'm guilty of it myself. I've gotten a evaluation and maybe I just give them all a gold star because I <laughs> like that person. And, and that's not the way to go about it. You need to let the employees know, you know, where they stand. And, and also, most importantly, I, I think what this boils down to is autonomy, we as individuals value that. I value that. I know you do as well. So how can I sort of give a little bit of power to my employee to make them feel like they are contributing to the workplace? So what are some things that we could do that gives them that power? I think that really comes with, you know, giving them not necessarily additional assignments, but maybe ask them you know, what are some things that you would like to do? I know, for example, this year I got to go to a CLE for immigration. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was a fun event for me, but I was also learning and, and adding value to our immigration practice. So, you know, what sort of things can you do as an employer to make the employee feel like they have a little bit more control? Yeah, I, I like that concept. I, you know, I don't think we do in the same way that, you know, we can, we can, firm up a job description to make sure that it's got everything under the sun so that they can't, uh, you know, avoid um, doing those those topics. That still feels a little bit like fencing in and it's going to be seen as defensive. I like I like your idea, JC. You really do of, of trying to empower the employee, you know, whether that's in a, an evaluation setting or, you know, just a manager sitting down every once in a while and saying, what what's something we could be doing better around here? And I, I have learned from firm management over the years, 
when someone's not as happy with what the where things are going, pull them under the tent and have them be a part of the solution. So whether that's you know giving them some autonomy over the decor of their you know work area or or like you say you know what are the projects you'd like to be doing this year and how do we get you there? I think that could go a long way. Now, with that said, I, I do want to close out our takeaways with uh, asking you about another term I've heard, which I, I, I'm guessing goes hand in hand with quiet quitting. I've heard about uh, quiet firing. Um, so not to suggest that it can't all be kumbaya and we find, you know, some things to, to, to break bread over with our employees. But what, what, is, what is quiet firing and how does that play into this analysis? Yeah, so quiet firing hasn't been as popular of a term, but it's sort of an approach that employers have taken to combat quiet quitting. So essentially what they do is they kind of start stripping away at this employee's opportunities because really at the end of the day, this employee is doing their job. So maybe they don't want to outright fire them, but they might sort of pull the curtain back a little bit on them and, you know, stop giving them as many opportunities. But we have to think about you know, a constructive discharge. Are you essentially forcing this person out? Is this person in a protected class? Has this person recently made some sort of report of discrimination or harassment? And then you're just adding fuel to the fire at that point and putting yourself at more risk of liability as the employer. That's a great point. You know, we, we talked about the risk and, and, and lawsuits uh, really are, are, are just opportunities for a disgruntled employee to have an adverse uh, consequence to their work and then be able to layer it with some sort of protection that's granted by federal or state law. And, and so just like you said, even though quiet quitting isn't a right, uh, they might, however, have other rights that might be implicated, and then you've got a whole firestorm on your hands. So your point's well taken. Quiet firing might sound um, uh, cool to at least have a countermeasure uh, <laughs> that with a, a similar name, but not sure that it is uh, uh, nearly as important as just trying to address the root causes of the problem. Exactly. Well, um, this has been a wonderful look into what I think is just really a developing theory in the law, but something I think we'll see more of. Um, good for you, JC, for identifying it early. I would have seen it, but I'm not, I'm not on TikTok, uh, but uh, <laughs> that's just one more uh, reason. I'm glad that people around me are more tech savvy than, uh, than I am, but we'll continue to monitor that through the labor employment group. And I know that we'll probably see some further developments from you down the line. Now, before we close everything out, here it is. It's our final episode of the season here at Briefly Legal. And as I said at the beginning, my, my heart's full of the, of the, you know, the spirit of the season. Um, and it's, it's just got me thinking to myself, you know, as I'm watching people kind of cart around their gifts to give to one another, I just wanted to ask you, what's the best gift you remember getting, whether it was when you were a little kid or it might have been last year for all I know, but what's your <laughs> best gift? Well, um, you know, I've thought about this. And when I was little, we used to have really magical Christmases where my uncle would dress as Santa and oh, he cool. would come in and I thought he was Santa, you know, until I was like 10 years old. Um, <laughs> side story, my two-year-old cousin identified him as my uncle when he was two at the time, and I had no idea. So, Wow, but a little, bit, a little aside, bit ahead of you on yes, that one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, So my favorite Christmas gift was a teepee. It was purple, and it had, you know, a little bit of tribal decorations on it. But my sister and I, we lived in that teepee for several years. I still have it. <laughs> That's um, awesome. You know, hopefully it 
it will get passed down and hopefully it's still in, in good shape. Oh, so you still got it. I've still got it. It's in the playhouse at my grandparents' house. Okay. Yes. My grandpa built us a playhouse. It's like a little house in the oh, backyard. Wow. So we've got the teepee. And it's still, still, in and it. still there. Now, still there. now tell the truth. Do you ever go out there like your fortress of solitude and go out and kind of, <laughs> you know, think and get inside the teepee just for old time's sake? Um, I don't do that. I don't think I could fit in it anymore, <laughs> but I am only five two, so it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Well, I hope it fits, uh, you know, uh, several, you know, kids in the, in the future that get to enjoy that same experience. That's, that's wonderful. That's what I love about the holiday season and thinking about all the, all the gift giving is, um, it, as much as it is about the things you receive, it's really about the memories it makes. And so, um, that's a wonderful memory and really glad you shared it with us. Well, that's a perfect way to cap off episode 46 and season two of Briefly Legal. It's really just been uh, a joy of mine to, to host the show. And um, I want to give a special thanks uh, to Tyler Elliott, the uh, the producer with the most. He, uh, he always keeps us on target, uh, makes sure that we get all the editing done correctly. And it's just a, a joy to work with. So I want to say a special thanks to him for making this uh, entire podcasting experience as fun as it has been. So um, we're going to call a wrap on uh, uh, the year 2022. And I want to thank all of you out there for supporting us and listening this year. We garnered more than 4,000 streams across multiple uh, streaming services, uh, which just is a a joy uh, uh, to each and every one of us associated with the show. We look forward to bringing you more relevant and trending legal topics in this upcoming new year. Remember to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a rating, would you? And uh, I, I sure hope it's a, a really a good rating. It's, it's the holiday season. Be uh, uh, be kind. And uh, and and it really uh, helps us get our name out there because we're really working hard for you out there in the uh, greater Oklahoma uh, business community. And also don't forget to send you send us uh, your ideas for future topics that you'd like us to cover. You can do that at briefly legal at crowdunlevy.com. And you might just hear that topic on a future episode. So until next time, we're wishing everyone from all of us here at Briefly Legal to all of you out there, a happy, safe, and healthy holiday season. And we look forward to the next time that we spend with you here on Briefly Legal. <laughs>